If you or a loved one has been diagnosed with an acute obsession of true crime, caught discussing tragic events with unwilling participants, or kept awake at night by the paranormal or just plain absurd, you've found the right place. All others, beware of catching this dangerous bug as we begin to talk about the facts. Hello again, friends, and welcome back to Let's Talk About the Facts. So if you're just tuning in for the first time or you're back again, this is a podcast about unsolved cases, interesting mysteries, and things along the way. So we just want to apologize now if anything comes up that might be irreverent or crass. Humor is the only way that we can personally get through this bullshit thing we call life. And... Also, the beginning of the screaming 20s. So, anybody else feeling it, you're on the right, you're on the right boat. <laughs> so, I'm Elizabeth Fury, your host for this episode and all episodes. And with me today is Alex Brown. Hello. And she's been with us for the last episode, and it's been delightful. Um, so yeah, it, there was a fire tornado. In California. <laughs> there anyone. was a fire tornado. I saw it. I saw it on Twitter. I I don't know how to handle that. Like, that feels too much. My apocalypse bingo card is already full. I feel like so many things this year have been, like, too on the nose for how much of a disaster that it's been. It's like, we really, we don't need to keep escalating it, but we do. We're just adding in random random plot elements now. It's it's so true. We're rounding up the post office boxes. Mm-hmm. Like, if Mr. Rogers were here today, could you imagine what was happening? I'm telling you, like, the neighborhood of make-believe would be coming to kick some shit up. Yeah, because it's not a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's not, my God. <laughs> and if you live in sunny Los Angeles, the sun is too hot. We are in the middle of the worst heat wave in our air quality is satan's farts so if anyone wants to move here now is not a good time yeah avoid it in the summer it's just not it's not good you know from the state of things i'm i'm kind of like maybe you should just avoid it there's other places maybe i mean there are always options for places to go i mean i i like la it's just so hot sometimes it's so hot it's so hot right now very hot I'm kind of like, what if I lived in the middle of Saskatchewan right now with no neighbors, just me and my dog, and I became a bog witch? I could still have this podcast. You could. Technology allows that now. I know. My dreams could come true and be a bog witch, and it could be cold most of the year. (laughs) But anyway, so I'm going to pitch you a story today, Alex. Are you ready? Okay. Because we had a lot of fun. What a word to use. Last week, talking about a child abduction. So, this week, we have a skeleton in the woods found by young schoolboys. Could she have been a German spy, the victim of a ritual, or just an unfortunate woman who someone wanted gone? Who is Bella from Inside the Witch Elm? Dun, dun, dun. Ooh, so many options for who she could have been. So many options indeed. And one of them is a conspiracy theory, yes. which is my favorite. Same. 
So since the world is on fire, I decided to go back to when the world was also on fire, World War II. Mm. You know, just a little little jaunt back there. Um, Let me give you some context because, you know, some stories, they shouldn't exist without context. No stories really should exist without context. I mean, if you think about it, like if you stole a stapler, but you stole it for a good reason, I need to know the reason. That'd be fair. Um, where are we? Oh, so this is going to be the year that Adolf Hitler declared total war on the Allies in the midst of World War II. That year would be 1943. But this is not a historical podcast. Well, that kind of historical podcast. So we're going to leave the rest of that up to a Google search for those listeners here who don't know what that is. Um... But the more important things that I felt like happened in 1943 were the year that nachos were invented by Ignacio Nacho Anaya in Mexico. He's a legend who kind of just fades into the background of 1943, but in my mind, he is a historical figure that we should never, ever forget. Because nachos are my favorite food. It's true. He has changed the lives of many with that delicious food. God, could you imagine... What would have happened if nachos had never been invented? It would be a much sadder world that's on fire still, but a little more sad. A little less, a little less full. Yeah. I named a teddy bear Nacho. Aw. I know. I mean, I knew it was somebody's name, and I'm gonna say it. I didn't know Nacho was actually a nickname for like a real name. I thought it was because somebody liked the food so much, so they named somebody Nacho. <laughs> but now I know. <laughs> now you know it's not a chicken or the egg thing. It's know. not. <laughs> One came first. Yes. A but real man. speaking of Mexico, another thing happened in 1943. So the first man to witness the birth of a volcano happens in Mexico. He witnesses it happening in his cornfield. So when he's evacuated from his home seven years later... He leaves a sign, because the volcano is obviously growing, and it says this volcano is owned and operated by Dionysio Polito, which is the most badass way to claim a volcano. Yeah, Because that's, that's cool. his land. Yeah. So that's his volcano. It's owned and operated by him. I want to know how he operates one, but, like, I have questions on that, but it definitely is owned by him. Yeah. Well, I'll give him the operated, too. I don't even need to know the details. I believe you, man. I only want to know for pure joy. (laughs) Like, yeah, you could definitely operate it, but I want to know how you do it. Yeah. Just for my pure scientific knowledge. And because I'm nosy. And I want to operate one one day. Hopefully one day. Um, So, but we're going to have to leave Mexico tragically. And we're going to venture over across the pond to merry old England. Specifically to a place that I'm probably going to mispronounce. Called Hagleywood. Could be Hagley. Do I care? Yes, but I'm going to go with Hagley because it sounds more fun. So, our story begins on April 18th, 1943. Buckle up. All right, guys. So there's four very British-sounding boys. Their names? Robert Hart, Thomas Willits, Bob Farmer, and Fred Payne. It looks like somebody just, like, opened up Hmm, British names and 
jotted them down. <laughs> Just, like, took them out of a bag. <laughs> I know, right? They're very, very, very British there. Mm-hmm. But they were poaching or bird nesting in Hagley Woods, which is horrible. Why would you do that? Just go steal eggs at a bird's nest? Okay. Mm-hmm. What a choice. So, Hagley Woods, it, oh, I keep saying it plural. It is singular. Hagley Wood. My bad. It's part of Hagley Estate, which belonged to Lord Cobham, which reminds me of Corn of the Cobb. Whatever. Yes. I also feel like that sounds infinitely more British. Like, it just, we just keep getting Britisher as it goes. <laughs> the Britisher Isles. Yes. They're more British than the first British Isles. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Hagley Wood is part of the Hagley Estate, of course, belonging to Lord Corn on the Cobb. Uh, dear Witchberry Hill. Let me spell that for you because it's not what you think. It's W-Y-C-H-B-U-R-Y. So Witchberry. Oh, They probably okay. say Witchberry. Yeah, I thought it was um, like a cereal that like witches ate. Like, get these Witchberries, you know. Oh, that sounds delicious. <laughs> I think be. they call that Booberry, though. <laughs> mm, true. I do love that cereal. Yes. Um, so they come across a large witch elm, again, W-Y-C-H elm. It's also known as a Scots elm, and it's a popular elm in the British Isles. For those who don't know what an elm is, that's a type of tree. Tree, yes. They come across a tree. Like a decently sized tree. It's a, it's a good, good sized tree. It's a very good sized tree for what's yeah. about to happen next. Don't mm. worry. Oh. But guess what? I'll post a picture of what a witch elm looks like on our Instagram so you can check it out. So they think this inv- location is going to be really great to hunt birds' nests. I'm still horrified by that, but okay, we're moving on. So we have Bob Farmer, not to be confused with Robert Hart. I wonder if he went by Bob, too. So Bob Farmer attempted to climb into the tree to investigate. So as he's getting all in there, getting all comfy, he glances down into the hollow trunk of this witch elm, right? And discovers a skull. Oh. And I, I know, right? What would be your first thought? Like, oh, shit, I found a skull. Yeah, I, like, nothing good happened in this tree. It would be like, I'm gonna leave now. It is 1943, and if we've learned anything from, like, documentaries, it's like, oh, we left our, our doors unlocked and blah, blah, blah in the 70s. They weren't thinking that. So, F- Bob Farmer, he thought it was an animal skull. You know that's reasonable. I'm going to give it to him. Maybe if, a possum. If it was a human skull, though? He doesn't know that yet. He just no, sees so- it. He sees, like, the top of the skull? Allegedly. I wasn't yeah. there. Interesting. Okay. This is almost 50, what, 52 years B.E. before Elizabeth? Um, so he thinks it's, like, a possum skull. I need to know the size of a possum skull to compare to a human skull because I think Bob Farmer was way off. But then again, if someone asked me the height of somebody, I couldn't tell them. I'd be, like, taller than me. Yeah, I think that's why I'm wondering how he thought it was an animal skull. I feel like human skulls look pretty different from, like, animal skulls. But what reference point would he have in 1943? I don't Who know. showed him what a skull looked like? He might have gone to see Hamlet once. He might have. Who's to say? 
Who's to say? I don't know. Bob Farmer, maybe, maybe he was a part of this. I don't know. Mm. Criminal Minds would tell me yes. He probably <laughs> brought his friends to this dump site for the body. <laughs> Just saying. Just but to anyway. discover it and be like, oh, who put that there? <laughs> Ooh, who doing this? Anyway, <laughs> it was wildly not correct, but still. So Bob Farmer, he thinks it's an animal skull. A possum, maybe. Um, but he notices that the skull has metal fillings in the teeth and fabric beneath the bones. So the bones would have tipped me off to say, not a possum. Maybe not. I mean, you never know. Maybe someone put clothes on a possum. Yeah, but you know, I feel like possums are drastically smaller than people. Even a toddler. Just like a little bit. Just like a lot bit. (laughs) So, they're on the land illegally, which I want to know how that's enforced. I don't know a lot about British law in the 40s. I could have looked into it. I didn't. I was napping. I feel like it's just a dude riding around on a horse being like, should you be here? (laughs) A horse? I was thinking bicycle with like a little chime. Ding, ding, ding. Get off! (laughs) Uh, So Farmer puts the skull back, and so all four boys vow to forget their grizzly find. That was my favorite way that I sort of phrased. And tell no one, and then they go home. Which... Mm. Isn't that, like, the plot of Stand By Me? I don't honestly yeah, remember. I think it is. It's very close. Maybe they know the story. Um, so, however, when they go home, the youngest boy, Willits, first name, Thomas, Thomas Willits, he felt really uneasy about it, which, honestly, winning. And so he tells his parents, and they decide to report it to the, the police. Hmm. So, the I honestly don't understand why they were afraid, but then again, maybe the, the police were going to be like, so did you do this? Right, you, you know, 10-year-old children, were you the ones? Were you the ones? This, this body in the tree. We have questions. <laughs> the children are like, we have no answers. Yeah. We have no money. Yeah. I don't know. But, um, so the police go and check out the trunk of the tree. Guess what they find? Things. Just kidding. They find an almost complete skull. Skull. Almost said skeleton. <laughs> also that. I am fired. An almost complete skeleton with a shoe, a gold wedding ring, some fragments of clothing, and a hand that was found some distance from the tree. So the skull was very valuable evidence in that it had still tufts of hair in a clear dental pattern, despite a few missing teeth. Mm. So the body was sent for for forensic examination by Professor James Webster. I feel like if we tried to look him up, aka I did try to look him up, there are a lot of James Websters in the world. There are. One of my grad school professors was named James Webster. I don't think he's the same guy. I envy people who have names that could be just blending into the crowd. Because (laughs) I've been able to Google myself my whole life. Oh. And I was not important when I was eight. 
Well, there you go. So James Webster, mysterious James Webster, I could not Google, could not find his credentials. He quickly established that it was a female, which I feel like is an easy one. That's, that's pretty easy. Who had been dead for at least 18 months. How did he know? It's 1943. I need to know the science. Um, I need, actually, I need to have the science broken down for me pretty, pretty easily in an article because I don't want to know it that much. Um, and he placed the time of death in or before October of 1941. I guess that makes sense. Like, you know, the rate of decay, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Webster also discovered a section of taffeta in her mouth, suggesting that she had died from suffocation. Oh. So we know what taffeta is. I don't... Fabric? Yeah, it's a fabric, but it's thin. And it, Mm. like, I don't, for lack of a better term, it's breathable and i don't think you could like you can't just suffocate someone with a section of taffeta i feel like either that's a message or that was just in there yeah to, like, maybe, keep maybe it's a message yeah maybe it was some kind of gag yeah i don't think you could suffocate someone from taffeta probably not that, that's crazy but also you only have her bones so you don't know if, like, she got strangled or if she had, like, you know, brain hemorrhage. I mean, you did have her skull, but did she, like, you know, have any skull fractions or anything like that? Which wouldn't make sense for my next piece of information here. So from the measurements of the trunk in which the body had been discovered, he had deduced that she had been placed in there still warm after the killing and she could not have fit once rigor mortis had taken hold which makes sense i mean could you put a whole ass body in a tree trunk if it was like rigid stiff and stuff probably not i mean i would buy that you kind of just definitely dump it right after i mean so why wouldn't she just be like stabbed a whole bunch and then be like oh you're dead stab um or she could have been drowned i'm just saying so, coroner thought the woman had been around 35. She had mousy brown hair, because we found it on the skull, mm-hmm. and a malformed lower jaw. Oh. I don't know if that's uncommon in Britain. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not back in 1943. Maybe not now. Who's Who to knows? Say? Did they have orthodontistry? I don't know. I have no idea. Does that solve that? I don't know. Um... Things I could have looked up before I decided to pre- present the story, but I didn't. So many questions come up to myself when I tell you this story. <laughs> um, they also say that the wedding ring, well, the gold ring, that they say is the wedding ring. It may not have been, but it was cheap, no more than four years old. I kind of want to know how they dated that. And... She had given birth at least once. I do want to circle back to that. Just put a little mental pin in that whole given birth at least once. Okay. So, police could tell from the items um, found with the body what the woman had looked like, but with so many people reported missing during the war, records were too vast for a proper identification to take place. This is the one time where I'm like, yeah... I get that. I give you that pass. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say, yeah, that makes total sense. Like the fact that you even tried, I am shocked. 
Mm-hmm. It is 1943. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening, especially especially in Britain. So. Mm-hmm. But they did cross-reference the details they had with reports of missing persons throughout the region. Britain is not that big. Like, it's not that big. You could drive yeah. it in a day. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like it's like a statewide investigation for us, mm-hmm. but not California. Maybe like a flyover state. Yeah. Um, but none of them seemed to match the evidence. And in addition, they contacted dentists all over the country since the dentistry was quite distinctive. But I wouldn't, as a dentist, because I'm a, apparently a dentist, I don't think I'd remember a customer in 1943 who was yeah. like, check I, out these fillings, yo. The teeth, I feel like, would have to be, like, very distinctive. Even then, I'd be like, My, maybe. If I remember <laughs> that, I remember the teeth, not the person. Maybe I saw that mouth. I don't know. Have you seen all the mouths in this fucking country? I mean, doing the best I can here. Yeah, unless, you know, some initials went into the filling or something. (laughs) They signed their work. This This is clearly, Yeah, this is clearly the work of Dr. Reynolds. We must go to Dr. Reynolds. Look at his files. Did they even keep files in 1943? Of course they did. But I'm saying... Interesting. But... Back to Hagley Wood, it's a small rural community, and the find in the wood was so mind-boggling, she wasn't a local because people knew their neighbors going back generations, which sounds horrifying. Yeah. Like, how do you reinvent yourself if you, like, messed up the first time? I don't think you can. I feel like you just have to move away from your small town. Every time you make a mistake, you just have to leave. <laughs> but then they're like, aren't you from Hagley Wood? And you're like, I don't know her. <laughs> no, I've never <laughs> been there before in my life. I gotta get on a ship, I'm going to America. Yeah, goodbye. <laughs> I just, like, I can't even think, aren't you so-and-so's great-grandson? And you're like, who are you? But then again, you'd know them from, like, I don't know, church. Yeah, I feel like, you know, they would know your whole family, you'd know their whole family. That's yeah, just, like that's a lot. The guy filling your prescriptions at the CVS is also like your neighbor's best friend. Yeah, and he's like, I remember when your grandmother also had this thing, and you're like, wow, that's weird. And his mother like delivered you as a child, like it's so. Yeah. I can't imagine that, mainly because I think because both of us also like live in Los Angeles. I'm like, if I know too much about too many people, I feel like my life's been invaded. Yeah. Yeah too much um so what had she been doing in Hagleywood besides dying and where did she come from who was she dun 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 we may find out I was trying to turn my page and I was like (laughs) (laughs) so police hit a wall and with World War II raging on resources were limited and by Christmas Someone had given her a name. The first message, written in blocky letters, in white chalk, said, Who put Lou Bella down the witch elm? In the following weeks, the graffiti changed into Who put Bella in the witch elm? Mm -hmm. And so it remained for over six decades. And so whoever did this is the reason that this case never got forgotten. 
never was forgotten. That was terrible silence. Um, so police never discovered who the mysterious writer was and why they wished to call so much attention to the strange case. But it was widely agreed that the message was consistently written by the same hand. If the graffitiist had known something about the woman, he or she never stepped forward to help the investigation, which quickly went cold. But that isn't the end. The graffiti kept appearing. Who Put Bella in the Witch Elm appeared on numerous service surfaces across the mid West Midland areas, most commonly on the Hagley Obelisk, which is which was near the original crime scene. The graffiti continued all the way up to 1999. Since then, it has not been spotted. Probably because whoever was doing it is dead. That's, I mean, obviously, that's the main conclusion. <laughs> like... That, or they were really freaked out by Y2K. And they're like, bye! Going off the grid. So they, they started doing this in the 40s and kept going until yeah. 1999. That is... Dedication. Yeah. They really wanted to know what happened to her. Yeah. And they consistently, it sounds like, vandalized the town obelisk, which is kind of a weird thing. I guess towns over there maybe have just obelisks hanging out. I feel it. I mean, it's England, so of course. Yeah. Obelisks everywhere. Left, right, up, and center. But I mean, like, I think it's like, this is Hagley, blah, blah, blah. And it's like a monument to blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Yeah, so maybe there was a message there, too, like, intentionality in what they were graffitiing. I wonder if it was one of the kids. Maybe. That would make sense. Like, they're just, like, kind of haunted by finding the body. Yeah, I always wonder about that. Because, like, you know, we don't hear from them ever again, but they're the ones who found found her. But, also, that baby. Oh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. What about that baby? What if the baby said it? If the baby, the baby, I mean, yeah, I guess the baby could have like theoretically grown up and been like, someone would have to tell them, like, hey, your mom got shoved into a tree. Your y'all. mom was put in a tree, and then the baby would be like, what? And then, you know, driving See, a weird quest for vengeance in the form of graffiti. And in my mind, the baby is eternally a baby, and so it's just wielding baby chalk, writing this message. Over and over. Over and over. Futilely. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it is interesting. Obviously, we don't know, you know, how old she was when she had the baby, or if there were multiple, because it just said gave birth at least once. Right? So, who's to say? Who really knows? I like to think that at least the at least one baby she had was named Tom Riddle and became Lord Voldemort. And that's how Harry Potter started. Perhaps. Timeline works out. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, <laughs> maybe I should substitute an actual, like, sound for that, where it's like, wah, 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 but, like, duck quacks. No, I feel like it's good. It's just <laughs> in the moment there. Um, so, there are some speculations. And I did wait to tell some details. Okay. Um, for the speculations. Because they are, let me, let me be the first to say, incredible. Okay? All right. So, my second favorite speculation is going to go first. 
um, in the months immediately after the discovery. So we're still in 1943-ish. Okay. Uh, theories begin to circulate, local gossip, and then we have Professor Margaret Murray of the University College in London. She states that, quote-unquote, Bella's death resembled a black magic execution and suggested witches were responsible. Murray argued that a severed hand was the definitive clue and cited the hand of glory practice, where a hand would be severed from a hanged criminal and used for a variety of magical purposes. And hey, that severed hand was an unusual detail, but why would a murder allegedly suffocate a woman? But again, we did talk about how many different other ways she could have died. And then cut off her hand before shoving her body in the tree and then burying it among, like in the roots. I feel like they dropped it. Um, there's no logic behind it unless this is like her witch theory, but I want to take a moment to debunk the hand of glory thing that she referenced before you comment. So the hand of glory practice is the dried and pickled hand of a male person who has been hanged, often specified to be the left um, because the Latin is sinister hand, or if the man was hanged for murder, the hand that did the deed. Mm -hmm. Old European beliefs attribute great powers to the hand of glory combined with a candle made from the fat of the corpse of the same malefactor who died on the gallows. So hand is made, wait, hand, candle. Mm -hmm. I would say handle, but that's already a word. That is a word. Um, it's placed like a candlestick in the hand of glory. And yeah, so it's like a thing. So it's like a documented pro process and it's described in 18th century documents with certain steps. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I feel like if you were going to go through all that trouble to make a hand candle, you wouldn't just leave it in the woods. Like, I, don't yeah. you, like, need that with you to do whatever it, it does? Yeah, you can't, you can't say, this is the hand of glory, when they didn't do that. Yeah. I feel like, like maybe it just kind of got, like, picked off by an animal or something and carried over to yeah, the other side. You are totally right. That's what I actually think happened to the hand. Because on top of that, I feel like this professor was like, you know what could be cool? Witches. Blaming it on witches. And it's like, it's 1943. I think we're done blaming things on witches now. We're never done blaming things on witches. Oh, poor witches. I mean, yeah, poor witches indeed. <laughs> How much of 2020 has been blamed on witches? Probably the whole thing. I mean, I feel like, what was it? A Twitter trend a few months ago? I don't know. What is time? But um, when they were like, please don't hex the moon. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I yeah. don't know when it happened this year. I don't know when anything happened this year that makes <laughs> yeah. you feel any better. I don't, I don't even know when this is happening this year, honestly. Same. I think yeah. I, like, can range things. Is it after the murder hornets or before the fire NATO? Oh, yeah, that, I think it's it's definitely between that window of time when mm -hmm. the, moon, the moon hexing happened, but... Yeah, yeah. Where in that range, I cannot say. Definitely. But, you know, that, that theory did take off, oh, unfortunately, no. that she was part of a satanic ritual. Okay. Because we had to have a British 1943 mini satanic panic. Mm. But, of course, it dies down. But 
the next theory to surface, my favorite, um, was a slightly more plausible one in the eyes of the police. So about 10 years later, a columnist with the last name Byford-Jones, Byford-Jones, okay. again, super British, mm-hmm. had begun writing a series of articles about this mysteries. Couldn't find him. Wanted to read him, but then I didn't try that hard. Uh, so not long after these articles ran, a letter arrived for Byford Jones. I want to pretend Byford's his first name. Uh, a woman who signed the letter Anna claimed to have information about the murderer. According to this Anna, Bella was actually a foreign spy who had taken part of a ring of scouting munitions factories in the area and reporting back to the Luftwaffe. Put an extra T in there, but whatever. Uh, so Bella was Dutch, Anna claimed, and had accidentally learned too much about a British officer who was a mole in the spy ring. In order to guarantee her silence, the officer and another spy killed Bella before dumping her body in the woods. Hmm. The letter even went so far as to name the officer, but further investigation revealed that he had died in a mental ward in 1942, mere months after Bella's murder. Still, some of Anna's facts were verified by MI5, and another writer investigating the situation later published a book claiming that a Dutch spy named, brace yourself, Johan Dronkers, (laughs) love this name, Dronkers, it's so good, Yes, who was executed by the British in 1942, had a wife named Clara Bella, who was in her 30s, and had unusual teeth. A wife who had disappeared prior to his capture. Hmm. When all of this came to light, the public became convinced that Bella had either been a spy or mixed up with spies. When it emerged that her skeleton had disappeared from the Birmingham Inst- or Medical blah 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 Medical School, <laughs> an outcry of conspiracy and cover-up began. So, wait, so they took, this, the Bella skeleton was stolen? It disappeared. Oh. So we hmm. can't even do, like, a DNA test on it and be like, okay, so where her baby's at. Right, because we, there was still hair on the thing. So, like, nowadays there was they hair. could they could. You can also something. do it from the bone, I think. Like, you know. Mm-hmm. But, huh. like, so yeah. So we just can't identify her anymore because she's gone. Well, it disappeared in the 50s. Oh, so in the 50s. So, I think, because it said 10 years later, so, like, okay. early 50s. Yeah. What if MI5 stole it, and they're covering up their own, like, dirty laundry? Right, like, if it, if she wasn't supposed to die or something, or something got bungled somehow, and they're just trying to sweep it under the rug. But, I mean, this is, like, you know, 60, 70 years what, 75 years? Some, I don't know. I can't count. What's math? But... 2020. <laughs> um, you know, there was a point where I could math, and then I stopped. <laughs> I think this is the most plausible one. Because MI5 even confirmed pieces of the story. Da, da, da. Um, so... 
I feel like this one makes the most sense. I want to know where her babies are. Yeah. But also. I would too. But we'll, I mean, I guess we'll never know. Maybe we could find out if somebody knew if they had a Clarabella Dronkers in their family line and had a picture of her. And if she had some jacked up teeth, gonna throw it out there. It could have been her. What if? Yeah. Dutch people look into it. I mean, I feel like that theory makes a lot of sense given the time period that we're in. Um, and, you know, that she was, like, an outsider, so nobody in the town, like, she didn't grow up there. Yeah, I don't think anybody ever saw her. Yeah, so, you know, I'm sure there were lots of spy things happening, um, in Britain and elsewhere during World War II. And, uh, I could easily see her getting, if she wasn't, like, actively a spy, maybe accidentally or purposely caught up in some spy stuff. Um, and then, you know, things went bad. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. A spy theory that was debunked was that she was a Nazi spy named Clara Bo- Bo- Bowerly? I think it's Bowerly? Bowerly? We're going to roll with that. Yeah. But Bowerly. lover to Joseph Jacobs, who was another spy and the last man to be put to death in the Tower of London. But that was debunked in 2016 because it was confirmed that Clara died in Berlin in 1942. Um, so she was not a Nazi spy named Clara Bowerly. Okay. Um, but she could have been a Nazi spy. Yeah, she could have been... Just not that one. A spy for either side. We we don't, we'll never know. No one knows. Um, another popular theory is, um, that she was a prostitute who had picked up the wrong John, um, and had ended up, you know, met a rapist been murdered in the woods but somebody had to know that tree was big enough for a body you know right and did anybody look at lord corn on the cob lord cobham it's his wood yeah i feel he like he wanted someone disposed of he just shove him in the tree i don't know how smart it is to dispose of somebody on your land but um... if they're in a tree Yeah, then I guess they're likely to not be found, unless some boys happen upon it while they're trying to steal bird eggs. I just, what are they going to do with the bird eggs? I don't know. Throw them at each other? I don't know. Make omelets? Okay, maybe if they're making omelets, but like... Maybe. But yeah, I guess Lord Corn on the Cob didn't, didn't plan on children roaming through his woods, if that's what happened. I'm just saying... She could have been a mistress. It was a cheap gold ring. Perhaps. Yeah, maybe. Did anyone look into it? Not that I'm aware of. But Probably I feel not. like. Yeah, of course not, because it would have been like, posh, posh, we can't question the rich man. Yeah, they're like, no, he's fine. Like, his family's, you know, owned the land for forever. Like, he's our only lord here. Like, we don't want to... He would never have gone into the woods. Yeah, lords don't go into the woods on their own, especially with prostitutes that they want to put in a tree. I'm going to put this prostitute in a tree. I've paid people for that. Yeah, that's not... mm, That's not what lords do. That's not what lords do. What do lords do? I have no idea. Yeah. Not that. Things in Parliament that probably make people upset. I don't know. 
Probably. Sounds great. Um, so quickly, before we discuss a little further, I want to note my citations until we get a website, because I don't want to make it. Um, I got a lot of my info from crimereads.com, reddit.com, criminalelement.com, and obviously Wikipedia pointed me in the right direction of getting um, solid sources. So, yay! Eventually they will be put on a website so you can read the actual articles for yourself. Yeah. But, so yeah, what do you think? What do you think of Bella and her story? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely shrouded in mystery, and we'll probably never solve it, because who knows where those bones are. Um, I do think the strongest one is that she's a spy. I sadly don't think witches were involved in this at all. (laughs) I know, but it's such a great part of the story that somebody who was like a couple months later, who was a professor, was like, witches. (laughs) What if it was witches? I mean, it's called like a witch elm, you know, like, why don't we just... It makes so much sense to me. Also say it's witches, and it's like, no, but the candle, the hand wasn't a candle. Like, she didn't even look it up. Yeah, she was like, Hand of Glory, that's a thing that I know. It's like, oh, okay. I've heard of it. But I mean, granted, she didn't have Google, but same thing, she did have books. Right. Like, I feel like if you're, you know, a, a professor or someone who should have some kind of, or who does have some kind of authoritative weight, you might want to put a little bit of research in there before you just throw out witches. I mean, I don't know. Well, I did put research into this. Never mind. I was going to say, I don't know. I just throw out accusations. But I like to call them educated accusations. Yeah. Well, and you you knew what, like, a hand of glory was, you know? Initially, I didn't. I was like, whoa, that's crazy. And then I looked it up and I was like, whoa, she's wrong. (laughs) She's very wrong. (laughs) Because, you know, even though they say professor, they be lying. Yeah, like, professor of what, though? Like, terrible theories? (laughs) Professor of terrible theories. Can I get a professorship in that? I think that lady did. I don't even remember her name. Margaret something? Margaret, yes. Margaret. Bad theory, Margaret. It wasn't witches. I think, I feel like she either was a spy, involved with spies, wound up in the wrong place while some shady spy things were happening... Ooh, that would be really cool, though. Like, she wasn't even connected to any of it. The spy things were happening. They were like, oh, we gotta kill her. Yeah, maybe she was just going on, you know, an illegal walk through this dude's land and <laughs> happened upon some spy dealings. Oh, man, that would suck. It would suck. Because isn't this the time when, like, the Blitz was happening and she's, maybe she's trying to escape from the Blitz and it's like, I'm off to the country so I don't die in London. And she dies in the woods. Yeah. Even back then, you could not walk in the woods alone. It's true. It's upsetting, you know? I feel like either way you slice it. So, I mean, even in 1943, everything is scary. Why do people leave their houses? (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, that was who put Belle on the witch tree. I don't know. My guess is another spy. Yeah. I feel, I feel good about that one. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, guys, for going on this journey with Alex and I. It was delightful. I'm glad that 
Alex agrees with me that the conspiracy theory is the most likely theory of them all, which is the best part. And yeah, I feel like that rarely happens, and here we are. I know. That's why I picked it for the second one, because I was like, <laughs> we gotta, we have to. We have to do a likely conspiracy theory. Yeah. Because you know how much I love them in general, even when they're wild and make no sense. Oh, yes. Um, and tune in next week because we have another episode coming at you. Alex will be joining us again and another friend of ours. Surprise! Yay! So we will see you next week, hopefully. And don't forget to subscribe. Bye! Bye! This podcast was surprisingly produced by me. Original music by Miranda Miller. You can find us both on Twitter and Instagram at TalkAboutFacts. That's T-A-L-K-A-B-T-F-A-C-T-S. Or email recommendations to ltatfpodcast at gmail.com. Stay safe out there, friends.